Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From choosing the right college, developing a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and more. Each episode will help guide your family through the various steps of the process. Now, here is your host. Welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. This is our last show of 2022, and I'm not really sure quite how we got here so quickly, but we did. Um, Don't forget my endless plea to you to review us on Apple Podcasts. We've actually heard from a few of you whose students have gotten in already to either their early action or early decision school, and thank you for letting us know that we were helpful. And one thing I've said in my congratulations is, hey, drop us a review if you found us helpful. So if you would do that, I would very much appreciate it. Uh, It is almost the new year. We are just a few days away. Um, and we have a show that I think will hit on a lot of different angles for all of you. Um, we're going to be talking about summer planning for students who are still in high school. We're actually going to also talk about what happens if your college student comes home from their first semester in college and wants to transfer. Um, but before we get to that, for those of you who may be considering state schools, um, we wanted to talk through a little bit about the reality of receiving in-state tuition as an out-of-state student. And to talk about that with me is my colleague, Wally Boudet. Wally is a former FAO at, uh, former financial aid officer. Sorry, I'm using lingo at both Loyola New Orleans and University of New Orleans. Hi, Wally. How are you? Hey, good, Beth. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, I think the first question is, you know, certainly we talk a lot on the show about looking at options that are reasonably priced and often, although not certainly not always, but often your in-state university or college is going to offer one of the best prices that you could pay out there. Um, so my first question for you is, is out-of-state tuition at somebody else's in-state school always going to be higher um, than the option offered to the in-state student? Always no. Always no. There's going to be exceptions to it. For the majority of students, though, yes, unfortunately it is, unless you're able to fit one of the one of the small cocoons, so to say, of people who were able to pass through. So so yeah, I mean there are some opportunities, but it'll be tough. Right. I think, you know, I'll bring my perspective in here. So my son um primarily, in fact, exclusively applied to state schools. He did apply to the state school in our home state or what was our home state at the time. Uh, and But did end up going out of state. And when I looked, when we were looking at options, one of the things we had our eye on was schools that were within our price range with the out of state tuition, you know, if he got no merit, but then also schools where he might qualify for a better price based on grades or test scores or simply the fact that the school did a decent amount of discounting and we could anticipate that he would probably get a break on that out-of-state pricing. So from my perspective, we actually found quite a few options along with a few schools that were very reasonably priced just right out of the gates. Um, He didn't end up applying to all of those, any of those, I I might note, unfortunately, but um, there were a couple of options. Florida State is a big one that comes to mind, not at all easy to get into. Purdue, similarly, not at all easy to get into, but they're 
out-of-state price is not so spectacularly, well, it may not, it may be very different from their in-state price, but it was significantly less than a lot of the other out-of-state tuition prices we were looking at. So, Purdue, so, is, Purdue is one of my favorite instances because as a, as a, I have to be careful about using this word quality, I guess, or as a mm-hmm. highly considered public institution, their out-of-state fees are, are, are remarkable. Mm. They really are. They really are. Um, it is a great option. They are requiring test scores again, people. So for anyone who's listening and thinking, ooh, Purdue, I want to consider them, just know that you are going to have to test in order to apply there. Um, so why don't we, from here, so what opportunities, so we just, we tossed around Purdue, and I mentioned that there are, I found, opportunities what are some examples, Wally, that you have, and I can also share some in, in that I have experienced? Sure, there, there are some states that offer. There's a couple of them now. One of them, one of the pockets of eligibility, was discussed on last week's podcast, oh, and that cool. is the and that is the reciprocity area, reciprocity agreements, which are generally broken down into geographic segments. You've got the academic common market, which is in the Southeast United States. You've got the WUI or Western Undergraduate Exchange up in the Northwest. You've got the New England Regional. So there are certain areas where if you live in specific states, but also have to meet certain requirements as far as major and and lack of accessibility in your home state, such as Mm -hmm. it is in the academic common market is that there may be opportunities to attend out-of-state publics at an in-state cost. Aside from that, though, there are also colleges that have specific merit awards for out-of-state students that, based on your qualifications, you may be able to qualify for a tuition remi- an out-of-state tuition remission or a discount or anything like that. Um, Alabama makes it easy. Alabama's yes. website, Alabama's scholarship website makes it easy because they've got a grid set up that says if you have this test score and this GPA and this rank, if applicable, you're going to qualify for this, which will mention that this is in this thing, in this out-of-state range. Other states are not necessarily so outward. You've got to dig, okay? But another really nice example is SUNY schools. Mm-hmm. SUNY offers a SUNY match where if you live in Connecticut, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Vermont, Illinois, which is not in that area, and also California, and you meet other criteria, they will base your tuition on the rate of the flagship institution at that school. Now, of course, there again, a UC school may be more expensive than uh, UIUC or something to that effect. However, still, with an average out-of-state tuition difference of about seventeen grand a year, yeah, any discount that you're able to get into with qualifications are going to be helpful because you know that that should stick with you, assuming that you meet all of the all of the retention requirements. That'll stick with you for your whole enrollment. Right. What is cool about those options, too, is that the in-state option is often a great one. Um, I was I moved from Massachusetts to Maine. Massachusetts, UMass Amherst, our flagship institution is a wonderful institution. 
What I found that can, or what can sometimes feel limiting about that choice is if everybody from your high school is going to that school or a huge number, and you are looking to maybe break out a little bit, do something a little bit different, that is, you know, it, it could even be that the these other options are no better. And I put that in air quotes for anyone who's not watching this, um, the video that we're taping right now. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not a big subscriber to the idea that one school is better than another. I think there are a lot of levels of what makes a school right for an individual student. But, you know, yes, you can get a phenomenal education at UMass Amherst. It's a lot of really good opportunities there. But if sometimes you just want something different, so similar opportunities could exist in a different state. And if you get to pay the same price you would pay for UMass, like, that's a great deal for a kid looking to go a little farther afield. And so I love that. Absolutely. I don't know if you have um, the details on, but interestingly enough, here I moved to Maine um, and Maine has a similar to the SUNY schools where they will allow you from certain states to pay the in-state tuition or the tuition of your, which is key, right? It's not in-state tuition Maine. It's the the in-state tuition at your flagship Right. Um, they will let you pay. And the interesting thing, I, I was digging around in the in the the uh, University of Maine flagship match, mm-hmm. which is the name of that, which is the name of that scholarship. But it does state, and I'm looking at the Maine website right now. It states that you have to be from a specific state. Right. But I'm not identifying any link that shows you what the specific states are. So. That may entail an additional conversation with the registrar's office or the admissions office of the schools that you're considering. I know Massachusetts is one. Yep, 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 yep. I know that's one of them, but but, I mean, I think that's a great example. What other, do you have other examples of places where you're seeing that they are maybe being a little more generous with the merit for out-of-state students? Well, University of Arkansas for me, and there again, it, it all depends on what's your preference as far as location or preference as an out-of-state school with a cost of approximately 40 mm-hmm. or less than maybe 40. That's a really, really attractive opportunity there. Um, we mentioned about the SUNY program. We mentioned about all of the different, um, all of the different reciprocity agreements. University of Arizona offers something like that. So Aside from that, though, those agreements are nice to have because, again, you can see that there's some real opportunity there. The more difficult situation comes from when you don't have this automatic in and you're from Maine and you want to go to a school in Texas. Right. And how do you do it there? And that's where it gets a little bit more, a little bit more entailed. Yeah, well, and and I mean, some schools out there, I think, um, that I would add to the mix. So University of South Carolina has some opportunities. Again, they're not spelled out the way that they are with some of these reciprocity or with the SUNY or the way Alabama beautifully lays it all out for both out-of-state and in-state. And I would send a prayer up to whatever God you believe in, if you believe, that more schools would follow Alabama's um you know, example there, but um, but definitely University of South Carolina, they have certain awards that students can win that will give them 
full in-state tuition in some cases, partial in-state tuition, and given that the in-state tuition is pretty reasonable, like very reasonable, to even get half, um, you know, to, to come close to paying the in-state tuition, um, it makes a huge difference. Um, Miami University, Ohio, where my son is, um, has some really great discounts available to out-of-state students that made it very close to the price of um, UMass Amherst, and I would be willing to bet that for some students made it cheaper than going to UMass Amherst. Um, yeah. University of Vermont, interestingly enough, also has some merit awards, again, not particularly spelled out, where some students can make that, bring that cost down closer. So in this case, you're not paying in-state tuition, but you are getting a break off sure. of how much more they're charging out-of-state students. Sure, absolutely. And there again, when we're talking about a seventeen thousand dollar difference, every 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 bit counts. Absolutely, I mean it really does. If the difference is between paying fifty five thousand dollars for tuition, room and board fees, and instead you wind up paying thirty six thousand dollars, that is pretty significant. I did not just do math in my head, everybody. I didn't just because before you say, well, that's not correct math. I'm really just more giving another example of colleges that are out there and some of the discounts that can apply. Um, I, I can't tout Alabama highly enough because not only do they spell it out really clearly, but the discounts are steep. They, um, they really offer a great deal on a four-year college education. Um, and I think it's a great institution. Um, Wally, for families who are thinking, well, the schools that have been mentioned here are maybe a little less interesting, not as interesting to me. We, we want to go to a different part of the country. When you're on a school's website, is there a place in particular that you would suggest parents go to check this out, to find out what might be available? Any tips on that? Sure. The, the, the most logical place is going to be, number one, to look at their scholarship website, especially using Alabama as our continued example. Mm -hmm. They've got this nice little grid set up that tells you everything. Every school is not like that. However, that is, a, that is one of them. Aside from that, either the admissions office or the registrar's office, which involves enrollment and such like that, is going to have to, uh, have to be consulted to check into it. Um, with a school, with a giant school system like the UC system or the Cal State system, they've got a statewide policy that's developed and available on the on the main UC with links from the individual campuses, but that would be the best way to go is, is admissions or registrar's office. And there again, make sure that you're, you're aware of all of the different options available. And aside from those automatics, if you're looking at just relocating because of wanderlust or whatever, realize that there may be some opportunities there, but they may be a little bit more tough to, to really jump through all of the hoops that are set forth for you. Right, right. It's not as simple as I want my child is going to go to a University of California school and we're going to move there in August with them and bring it in state tuition. They right. figured that out and that's not really an option. So that's always going to be a more complicated, um, complicated thing. Uh, and in general, that's important to figure out what are the residency requirements before you go and spend your money on something only to discover that that doesn't qualify. Sure. So absolutely. Wally, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it. I'm glad to join, glad to share information. All right, wonderful. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about summer planning. And I know that this is top of mind for everybody because we are getting a ton of questions about it. So don't go away. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. We are talking about summer, and I can tell you that I am very excited about talking about summer because it is, well, technically speaking, it's 32 degrees here right now, but I know it's a lot colder with wind chill because I can hear the gale force winds going by my window, and I'm looking at snow on a mountain right now. Of course, my guest to talk with me about summer is sitting in 60s, maybe 70 degree temperatures. He's not quite sure. It's lovely. Down in Austin, Texas, and that's Zaragoza Guerra, who's a former admissions officer at both at MIT, Caltech, and Boston Conservatory. Hi, Zaragoza. How are you? Hi, Beth. How are you? I'm good. I'm not bitter at all that you escaped Massachusetts to <laughs> Texas and I went to Maine. My choice. So I guess I have no one to blame but myself. Um, all right. Well, summer. Let's talk about summer. Um, it is January. Well, it is technically speaking, this is airing on December 29th. So we are almost at the very end of the year. Um, but it is time to be thinking about summer. And so I guess... What are your initial thoughts in terms of what can students do during the summer? Yeah, it is that time of year to start thinking about summer, even even though it is December. And, um, you know, part of the reason, you know, you want to initiate the, the conversation is to be able to do some of the things that you'd like to do. And oftentimes those 
those things might either have deadlines or you want to be the first one in the door. Um, and I think, you know, whenever I'm talking to students about their summer plans, sometimes I'm getting them to think about, you know, how they want to structure their summer, um, how they want to spend it. And, you know, there are sometimes two academic filters that I, I get them to think about. Um, one is, um, you know, related to their topical choice. You know, mm-hmm. what is it that you would like to immerse yourself in, both on the academic side as well as perhaps the non-academic side? And I think uh, both of those are going to be of value um, mm-hmm. for, for any student in terms of the skill sets they want to derive from their summer experience, <clears throat> whether that is uh, an academic skill set or getting a feel for um, their prospective major or topics that are just of really strong interest to them, mm-hmm. or whether or not they want to nurture a talent or they want to just really uh, focus in on that area that they're not able to do throughout the rest of the school year just because of uh, the demands of schoolwork and classwork and so forth. So that's one of the filters that I, I get students to, to think about. And, and the other would be, you know, how, how might you go about it? There, there are three ways. One is, hey, you could get paid to do some of the things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. You, you might volunteer your time or you might shell out some money and pay someone else to, to have that experience. And I think, you know, that particular filter and, and looking at it from those three different angles can help give a student a sense for what it is that they'd like to derive from their summer experience. Because, you know, if you're getting paid, hey, you're, you're learning someone, someone is paying you for your skill set, someone is um, giving you you know, putting a monetary value in what what it is that that you're giving them over the summer, which can be a, a really great thing. If you're volunteering, sometimes you're giving, you know, of yourself mm-hmm. to an experience. Um, and you know, sometimes um, students uh, might want to just simply consume uh, information, and it could be that you're paying for uh, an experience. So, y- y- you know, those. You know, the cost of something, whether it's free, whether you're getting paid for it, or uh, whether you're paying someone else can, you know, determine what you get out of your summer as well. Absolutely. I mean, I would go so far as to say that for me, it's not that there isn't value in something that you pay for. I do think there can be value in that because in some cases, maybe you're paying to get exposure to engineering, which you can't get in high school. And now you're figuring out, everyone's always told you, oh, you engineering be perfect for you. You like math, you like science, engineering. Then you do a summer program and you realize, wow, I really don't like this. Or, oh, this is they were right. I like math. I like science. I love the way that these combine to create something new. I want to do more in this area. What I don't love, though, is that many of those programs are very expensive. And I think at the end of the day, families attach a lot more weight to those programs run by colleges than they should. And Mm -hmm. so if our listeners take nothing away from this other than this message, I would say that you do not need to spend money to have a summer experience that will not only be beneficial to you as a student, but will also, you know, be 
a impactful in your college application process. So, yeah, I, I, I agree there. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think about, you know, and, and, and that I would think about as, as an admission officer when I would read an application, if not necessarily that, you know, paying for a program was a turnoff, um, it was more um, along the lines of, hey, someone who um, created their own experience. They didn't pay for something. They really hustled and they worked for an experience to, to make it happen. You know, that takes oftentimes can take a, a little bit of a gumption. And when you read something like that or, you know, the context uh, that, you know, that's all the effort uh, the student had to put into to pull it off, um, it, it really does, you know, um, enhance their right. particular story. Um, right. Well, and we always talk about, right, how do you stand out? Well, one of the ways you do that is you don't do what everyone else is doing. So with the student who has hustled and figured out a more unique summer experience, that's already, you know, you're the only one who had that versus the hundreds of others who studied on a college campus and did mm -hmm. a prescribed program that their parents paid a lot of money for. Or mm -hmm. in fairness, perhaps the student raised the funds to take that class and mm -hmm. You know, it's not, but the assumption, uh, mm -hmm. for better or worse, is that this is, you know, it was, I'm doing air quotes again for those not watching, easy or easier. Mm -hmm. um, so again, we're not against these programs. We're just saying if you as a parent or you as a student are thinking, this is what I need to do, or I don't know how we're going to afford this, but we need to afford this, I would highly encourage you not to afford it. So yeah. Here's the thing. Oh, sorry. Z, no, no. I, I would say, you know, students can take this, this filter and apply it to anything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even if it is taking classes, you, you know, you could pay to take classes or you could, you know, pay for an experience that's probably not as expensive, you know, perhaps a more local option. Or you could get a scholarship yeah. <laughs> to do it. Or, you know, perhaps you've, um, done enough coursework in school that you could get paid to teach something or mm -hmm. to tutor someone over the summer. So, you know, you can take an academic experience and, you know, look at that academic experience um, through any of these, you know, right. different cost options, whether it's that or whether it's an arts experience or whether it's an athletic experience. There are a number of ways that, um, you know, students can uh, either get paid Right. Or pay. Or pay. Or volunteer. Or volunteer. Right. Absolutely. And, and one thing I do also want to stress here is that we are not saying that coursework over the summer is the thing that you definitely need to do or should do. In fact, in many ways, the colleges will already know what you could do in the classroom, right? The summer mm -hmm. is an opportunity to maybe do something different and show mm -hmm. a different skill set. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about a plain old run-of-the-mill job. You go and you work at Starbucks or you scoop ice cream or, you know, lifeguard. What do you think about that as a summer experience? To be quite honest, I love it. Um, I do too. And I did that. <laughs> I, I did it when I was young. Right. And, and it, it's not necessarily, I, I, I don't necessarily love it because it's something that I, I'm, you know, familiar with and something that I did. I, I like it, you know, to be quite honest, you know, when I look at a lot of student resumes, it does stand out nowadays because yeah. there aren't 
um, so many students who are who are seeking out jobs. Oftentimes, students think that they do need to go for that academic experience, or that they do need to go on spend time on a college campus in order to, you know, make their application stand out. When in fact, the reality is, um, getting a job is standing out because you know, at, at least from what I see, not right. so many students do that anymore. And, you know, I was helping a student with a resume the other day, and you know, they had to pick a certain amount of activities uh, that they could, you know, display on their academic list for their colleges. And, you know, when it came down, put and push came to shove, I'm like, you really need to put down that summer job because it is unusual. You yeah. don't see that that often. And, um, you know, I like knowing that you got paid for your effort. Someone paid you right. to put in that effort and they valued you enough. They valued your experiences and your skill sets and what you had to offer um, so much that they put a monetary value on that right? And, and gave you money for it, and, which is a great thing. And not only that, I think oftentimes these summer jobs, even if it's a job at Dunkin' Donuts, you know, this is an experience um, that is going to put you in touch with people who you might not necessarily associate with in high school. You know, you might come into contact with a different generation of uh, individuals, you know, who've got different life experiences. Um, I've seen some students who've even been able to uh, demonstrate their talent and and, and their social skills within uh, a Dunkin' Donuts job that they get promoted to manager and they're yeah. managing people. So yeah, by golly, that that can be a, a really wonderful experience. And you know, whether or not you're applying to a business school or any other school within a university, um, it, 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 you know, yeah. really does show schutzbuck. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I will give some concrete examples of um, two students who I am working with this year, who um, each of whom had a very regular run-of-the-mill job, um, actually each of whom worked at a cafe. That is not a secret. That's no magic bullet. You work at a cafe, it's all. But they both did happen to do that. Um, and both were accepted to two separate, highly selective institutions in the early decision round. Um, I think one caveat I would throw out there is that 10 hours a week, now you're kind of dabbling. Each of these students worked 40 hours, and in some cases, a little more than that a week. Sometimes that's tricky for um, for a high school student to get a job where, they'll, where you can work 40 hours a week, but I've seen other students do two jobs, each mm -hmm. one of them 20 hours. So they are essentially working a full-time position, just in this case, in two different... So if you're going to do a job really do a job. If you are going to do a job, that doesn't mean I'm going to scoop ice cream for 10 hours a week and hang out on the beach with my friends. It means maybe that you are going to scoop ice cream for 40 hours a week or mm -hmm. at least 25 hours a week, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to make it robust. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of, we mentioned, right, that it, when students show chutzpah, they, they, they find a really great um, opportunity, they create one for themselves. How do they do that? That's kind of the million dollar question. So what tips do you have for students 
who um, who want to create a unique opportunity for mm-hmm. themselves. I think you, at the beginning of our segment, you mentioned that, you know, they're taking an interest they want to explore. Maybe it's something they want to explore further. Maybe it's something they want to explore because they've never had an opportunity to. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's academic. Maybe it's not. In any of those situations, what do they do from the, okay, I know I'd like to know more about X. Now what? Yeah, I think, you know, oftentimes if a student wants, let's say, an experience um, in an academic environment or in a nonprofit environment or even within a business, you know, as, as we're talking about these three different models of pain and getting paid and so forth. <coughs> um, what? I'm oftentimes uh, encouraging students, hey, you know, think of your academic interests. So let's say we're, we're talking about something academically and you want to immerse yourself in, in a particular topic. You know, take a look at, you know, your local universities, because I guarantee more than likely there's someone at that university who is exploring that particular topic in depth. Um, I'm oftentimes having students go to these local universities' websites, take a look at the bios of all the professors who are there, find some professors or um, some people who, you know, you might want to work with, who you might want to ta- um, um, have as a mentor and, and, you know, craft a letter to them specific to their particular research. Let them know that you know them, that, hey, you admire the work that they're doing. And don't discount the fact that you're a high school student. Let them know what uh, you have to offer. And that could be a strong interest in biology uh, coupled with, you know, some dabbling in computer science and so forth. And let them know, you know, hey, I've got this strong interest here. You know, could you use an assistant mm-hmm. over the summer? You know, this is uh, the time I'm available. You might get a lot of no's but someone might give you a yes. And you can carry that over to, you know, anything. It it could be uh, a local startup, a local business, you know, ask your parents, ask your teachers, do you know of any local small business owners who could use, you know, perhaps someone over the summer to help them out with experience A, Y, and Z. You know, these are my skill sets. Pull your resume together, find out who those people are, canvas them, send them a letter, someone might say yes. It could happen in the nonprofit world as well. I had a student who was interested in economics who got a job, you know, with a nonprofit giving tax advice, you know, to to local people. So, you know, that's a real world experience, you know, and, and it helped, you know, his, with his interest in economics and on dabbling with it in some ways. Think about it. There are a lot of um, housing legal aid um, uh, nonprofits out there. So if you've got an interest in real estate, maybe you might be able to volunteer there. You know, so um, or you could get paid by interning at a real estate office. Um, so there are a lot of different ways to to look at this. My recommendation is this: if there's information on the web, you know, at universities in terms of who works there and who's doing research, that's easy. You can look it up and and cold email professors. And there are a lot of really great websites. You know, Stanford has a great website that describes that, UC Santa Cruz. Um, they even give sample um, Canvas emails that mm-hmm. students um, can use as examples. Um, and as I said, you can carry that over to uh, other realms, whether that's the business world, which means you just have to ask around people in your local community 
or even in the nonprofit realm as right. well. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, for for I love the advice about looking and seeing what people are doing in terms of research and then also just your own personal network. And you might say, I don't have a network. You know, my parents don't have a fancy job. They don't know anyone, but you do know teachers. And actually, you'd be surprised. Your parents might not have fancy jobs. They might not know anyone, but they might have a friend who who knows someone who has a friend who knows someone. It is amazing to me that if you just start to tap your networks, you could be surprised at where that ends up leading you. And I would strongly encourage you to consider your teachers as part of your network. Um, I don't think there's anything a teacher would love more than to hear that you are have an interest in a particular subject that they teach in some cases, right? Or in many cases, mm -hmm. um, maybe not. They just love when kids are interested. And I think you'll find that if they know of anything that could be of help, that they will at least point you in the right direction, even if they can't connect mm -hmm. you with a person. So, so there yeah. are opportunities. Zaragoza, thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. My pleasure. And stay warm, Beth. Yeah, I'm going to do my best. All right. So um, we are going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we are going to give you some tips on how to handle it if your college student comes home from that first semester and says, yeah, you know, I think I really want to transfer. So don't go away. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one -on -one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. This is the segment I've been promising since we started 
Um, and that is, what do you do if your student comes home from their first semester in college and says, I want to transfer? And joining me for this conversation is my colleague, Jen Simons, who's a former admissions officer at Tufts, Barnard, Northeastern, and Connecticut College. So she has a very wide perspective on this, including um, some personal experience. Hi, Jen. Hi. Hi. Um, so I, I also, now that I think about it, used to be the director of transfer admission at Connecticut College. Oh, right. And so very much on the other side of the equation, because I wanted students to transfer, you know, want to transfer to Connecticut right. College. Um, but I will say, because we're um, recording this at a time that's very much in the thick of the freshman uh, admission cycle of the first year admission cycle, uh, it feels, I really am able to put myself in the shoes of a parent, um, and feel like, oh, like that's not the news I want to hear, especially, right? So I think that, um, this is geared more towards the parent who's just seen their student off to college for the mm -hmm. first time, right? And they come home and they come home for Thanksgiving and maybe they're a little unhappy and then they come home for winter break and they've just finished, you know, grueling finals or whatever. And they're just like, no, I am totally, totally done. You know, like I, this is, I don't like it there and whatever, whatever. So we could talk about sophomore transfers and everything like that, but I, I am really feeling for those parents right now because you've just come off of a very, very difficult maybe, you know, experience. Right. Um, and maybe your student has known, maybe they got an early decision. So maybe the school that they are at has been someplace that's been on their mind for a year or more, you know yeah. what I mean? So, so it can be very disheartening. And, and just in general, obviously, you're a parent, you want your kid to be happy, like, that's the most important thing, right? So right. there's, there's nothing great about this. But I just the first thing I want to do is encourage parents and maybe I'm even saying this to my future self, you know, anticipating that maybe one day my you know, child will come back and be like, I'm not happy. Um, I know that my instinct is to try to, to sort of fix things and solve things. But the first thing I want to say, Beth, and I, and I wonder if you'll agree with me, is that it's very natural. It's very normal to not necessarily be happy every minute, to be lonely, to be confused right. about what you want to major in. And that doesn't necessarily mean you want to transfer. Maybe or, that's what you're, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? Or that you need to transfer, right? Yeah, you like, to. you might feel like you want to. But I, I do agree. I mean, I think um, I very much can appreciate the parent perspective here as the parent of a, high of a college freshman who has just come home a couple of days ago. Um, and it would be, you know, in my head, he goes to a school that where it's what he's paying freshman year is what he's going to pay the rest of his four years, right? It's all been, it's more or less frozen with some fluctuation and, you know, where he lives might change the pricing a little. So that's another huge piece of it, right? We've got that all worked out. I worked that out with his dad. We're divorced. That's always, you know, a little bit trickier and, so I've planned the next four years or three and a half based on what I already know. So it would be very, very challenging 
for him to come home and say, yeah, I'm not happy. Some kids will even say, I don't even think I should go back for the next semester. Um, I do want to clarify before we move into kind of the next phase, which is obviously if your student is depressed, has mental health challenges, these are couldn't be more serious. And of course, that is going to take precedence over everything. Um, and we would never espouse, you know, kind of pushing your kid to go back when those are the challenges they're facing. So I think what we're really talking about here is more just, you know, uh, I'm not that happy. I think I want to go somewhere else. And so what's the first thing that you would suggest parents kind of do if that's the situation they're facing? Yeah. So this is, this is what I'll always say. This is, you know, what I'll say if it's just a roommate issue, this is, you know, this is my all purpose response for almost everything, which is what have you done and have you done everything? And so that's sort of the the answer to that, number one. So have you taken advantage of all the resources that are available to you, starting with your RA or whoever is, you know, in charge of your dorm to tutors? I mean, obviously it depends on what the source of the unhappiness is, but um, there is uh, an administrative staff and and faculty members that are there to make sure that you have a good experience. I would also sort of having been one, you know, would say if you had any relationship to the admissions office, go back to, you know, whoever your admissions rep was and say, and even know them actually, and say, you know, I went to the Marinette High School and you recruited me and here's what's happening now. And I'm just not feeling like I fit in. What am, what am I missing? What haven't I done? You know, so that's like kind of the first step I would recommend. And maybe it is taking advantage of therapy, but maybe it's talking and or maybe it's talking to a professor and or your dean and or your RA and or the career services office. Like it's just, you know, so you can't, tell me that you want to transfer unless I feel this is me as like a mom, you know, talking that you, of course, you've done everything that you need to do. And then what I will say to sort of flip it um, is that when you go back for next semester, for second semester, if you do go back and and I hope you do, I would encourage that um, is to play what I call the opposite game with myself and, and, um, I think that there are maybe even some psychological, like there's something to this, but think about what you would do in any situation if you're not happy and do the opposite. So basically, if I'm going to typically go, so my my first semester has consisted of going to fraternity parties or, you know, I'm going to stay in and I'm going to see who is in my dorm on a Saturday night watching, you know, Netflix and and eating, you know, cupcakes or whatever, you know, they're doing. Um, I'm I'm a I'm an economics major. Guess what? I'm going to take a theater class or I'm going to challenge myself. This is, again, me talking personally and take a calculus class or, you know, something that's completely Mm -hmm. the opposite of the instincts that I have, because whatever I've been doing hasn't felt right. And this is a time of growth. And this is uh, one of the few times in your life, I think, that you will be exposed to so many possibilities, so many different people, so many different opportunities. And so I want students to take the first semester to get settled and feel their way around. And then if that's not working, and maybe quite frankly, even if it is, 
become, fr become friends with somebody that you would never ever have known in your past life, like step out of your comfort zone, I guess is a way to say it, but I mm -hmm. almost want you to do like even more <laughs> than that um, to make sure that you're giving your entire self the opportunity to really like sort of suck the marrow. Maybe that's too like dramatic out of this um, experience. You know what I mean? No, I do. And I, I, I love all of those ideas. And in fact, for me, those are some really con concrete ideas that I'm not sure I um, had ever thought about, but they're really great ones. I, I do love the idea. Have you done everything that you can? Um, because I'll hear the, you know, well, there's only the only thing there is to do is X. Mm -hmm. And to that is always no, hard no on that. I know there's way more to do. And it may be ironically, I think one thing that students can suffer from when they get to college is they have too much time on their hands and, you know, they don't know what to do with it. And so, like, maybe get a job. Maybe you are one of the lucky people who don't need a job, but get one anyway, right? It gives you more, more structure to your time. If you are someone who's used to having every minute structured and you thought this is going to be great. I'm only going to have to go to class like a couple of hours a day, every day, or even maybe not even every day of the week. But now you might find yourself at loose ends because you, it's too little structure. So add a little bit more of that back, you know, join a club or an organization or, you know, just do something else. If what you're doing feels like it's not enough. The other thing, the other piece of advice that I would also give is um, maybe do less of social media. And I'm sure that we will sound like a broken record here, but I really do feel that that has exacerbated this sense of everybody else is having fun except for me. It's kind of like when I was a freshman and when you were a freshman back in the day, right? There was no such thing as social media. That's how old we are. But what there were, were packs of people traveling together. And as a freshman, that was how you might feel left out. Everybody else knows everybody, and I'm the only one who doesn't. Well, guess what? All of those people typically had just met each other, like maybe even earlier that day. And you just didn't happen to be there when they met each other. So you're not part of that pack, but you could meet others and be part of a different pack. And then eventually that settles itself and you, you find your people. But... There's nothing worse than looking at someone's very curated social media feed and seemingly they're having the time of their lives, but really they're just as lost and lonely as you are. They're just making it appear as though they're not. And the more people could remember that in general, I think the happier we would all be. But no, you know, absolutely. I'm curious what you think about that piece of it too. Uh, and that you just made me think of something, which is in high school, everyone is together, right? You yes. know where your friends are. You might have the same schedule. You have the same lunch as seniors. Like it's not that way in college. So there is just by nature, obviously you said a lot more downtime, a lot more unstructured time. There's a lot more time of being alone. And I can't mm -hmm. tell you how many students I talk to that are like, I want a single, I can't imagine having a roommate. And I'm like, Oh my God, no, you want a roommate. Like, of course you want a roommate. And, but then what if you don't get along with your roommate, right? Yeah. Like, so you have like, so those are all issues. These are natural issues that you're going to want to work out. But again, that I want you to sort of talk to your student about, are you unhappy? Like you need to transfer. Are you unhappy as a natural course of growth and, you know, right. life? 
So we have about three minutes left. One thing I did want to cover is you have personal experience. So you actually, I think, loved your first semester in college. And then second semester, things went off the rails a little bit. That's exactly right. So I, I, all the excitement, I got into like my first choice school. It was my dream. Like I, you know, I was so happy. I loved it. All the excitement of going to college and everything. And I had a great roommate that I loved. And when I went home for a break, like, I think I realized, like, gosh, that was hard. Like that, you know, or sometimes yeah. you like stop and you're just like, oh man, that was hard. And I had, um, I had a boyfriend who went to Colby College in Maine and we like, for you know, we were together like, you know, for a month, like intensely, you know, much to the delight of his parents, not really. But anyway, so, <laughs> um, you know, and so like all this, it was like easy and cozy <laughs> and familiar. And weirdly, I went back second semester and nobody told me about this maybe I'm just like off and like you know my timing's off but like I was really homesick and lonely in a way that I didn't anticipate being because I had such a good easy transition in the first semester and so I do want to say that um sometimes things like we're preparing you as parents or, you know, as families for that end of the first semester but maybe it'll happen the end of second semester or something like that like there's no like you just have to sort of be alert and know that again, this is growth. And guess what? It got better. It, you know, like you, right. you sort of get through it. Um, but I had never been homesick in my whole life and it felt weird and it felt strange and I didn't expect it, but you can also be sort of happy and sad at the same time, which I think is like, you know, that's, being, you know, that's life, right? <laughs> that's life. Exactly, exactly. I think you just described, um, you know, just what it is to grow up and, and be an adult. And, um, you know, and college students are going to go through this. And, you know, I do, I, I love what you're saying too about like you got into your top choice school, it was your dream. I had the same experience. I never did go through, I was pretty happy all the way through, but I did have some moments of missing high school, which was very different environment than the college that I went to. Um, and I was able to kind of put that in its place. But you know, not everybody can. And also, again, I didn't have social media. So I wasn't watching as my friends who were in younger grades were continuing to love that experience and have a great time. And the, my friends who went to other colleges, maybe were having what appeared to be an even better time. So I'm going to put in a plea again to stay off of social media or at least see the reality of social media, which is that it's not real. Um, so, Jen, I, and, and actually what I do want to say is that we will um, we will talk, and Jen is our producer for the podcast, for those of you who aren't aware of that, but Jen, I do think that we should, um, and I think we have a segment maybe already planned, but we, we will talk about the nuts and bolts of transferring, right? So this is not, obviously that's not what we're covering today, and there are certainly things that students can do, but um, it's really more about what to do if the student, your student wants to transfer, but maybe they don't really. Um, and that's kind of where we're at there. Jen, I really appreciate you joining and sharing your personal experiences today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Beth. All right. We um, are going next week. Sally is going to host. I'm not going to host. Um, and basically, we're covering all your applications are in. So what now? Both admissions and finance. You know, what things need to be done at this point. Also, keeping your school counselor in the loop. If you're not letting them know what is happening, then you need to be a better person. They care. They want to know what the, how things are going with you. So we'll talk a little bit more about that and why that's important. Um, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. 
Um, if you are interested in asking us a question, you can ask that. Follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, and post your questions there or private message them to us. And don't forget, we're here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach. Join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.